This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week, we welcome back one of our favorite regular guests, Nate the House Whisperer Adams, for a show called Electrification, Heat Pumps, IAQ, and the Inflation Reduction Act. Before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. They're the reason we can continue doing the show. And don't forget, after the show, join us at afterthoughts.iaqradio.com to continue the discussion, sponsored by First On Site. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site at firstonsite.com. Our association sponsors are the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, ACGIH.org, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA.org, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute, CIRIScience.org, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, IICRC.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, AEMLINC.com, Particles Plus, ParticlesPlus.com, TSI Inc., TSI.com, Sunbelt Rentals, SunbeltRentals.com, April Air, April AIRE.com, Healthy Indoors Magazine, HealthyIndoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. I'm sorry to report that no one identified Traeger as the company credited with developing the first portable device for sensing a toxic gas during mining operations. The IQ Radio Trivia Question for today, October 7, 2022, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring of indoor air. Learn how to expand your IQ investigations at TSI.com. Here's today's IQ Radio Trivia Question. Name the scientist whose contributions to the study of electromagnetism included dimagnetism and electrolysis. Back to you. All right. Nate Adams is the author of the Home Comfort Book, and he's helped numerous clients make their homes healthier, more comfortable, and able to run on clean electricity. He and his partners have adapted that upgrade process into the HVAC 2.0 program, which gives HVAC contractors a business model to deliver the same results for their clients while enjoying their work more and being more profitable. Welcome back, Nate. Always great to have you. Great to be back, Joe. It's been a little bit since we've chatted. It has. And uh, I, I was looking back, we were talking about, uh, what is it, big ass HVAC the last time I Badass. believe it was. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> this time when I saw this Inflation Reduction Act go through and it's supposed to help with you know, electrification and indoor air quality and help the green economy and all that stuff. Um, I, I just sometimes think the hype's bigger than the, the actual uh, contents. And, and I thought, let's get Nate on. I know he's been following this close, closely and uh, see what the real facts are about this. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Inflation Reduction Act. I love that name. I mean, the Democrats <laughs> finally came up with something, a complete total lie, and, and promoting it. I love that. But, hey, you know, it happens. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not a complete say, total the, lie. Is, the, is it going to help con- with inflation? The, the Congress- Congressional Budget Office actually ran the numbers, and they came up with a, a number where it, it net-net did save a little bit. So, uh, yeah, you always have to watch what's going on to be sure. But uh, the there's so to be clear, I should start. Um, obviously, I'm pro electrification and have been for a long time. Every time I've yeah. been on the show, I've mentioned electrification uh, and we pulled our first gas meter back in 2014. So this is something we're comfortable with and we we, we do on a regular basis. Um, but uh, it's it's always complicated 
in what happens. And then you get into the government programs and oftentimes it gets more complicated still. So we're going to do our very best to try and peel back the layers. And like to your point on the, the inflation reduction act, where it saves a bunch of money potentially is by moving us more and more to clean electricity. Um, Because in the past decade, uh, wind, solar, and batteries are down between 70 and 90%. So at present, particularly with natural gas prices going up at the moment, uh, clean electricity is the cheapest energy source on the market in almost the entire world right now. And it's not just that, it's actually becoming the cheapest energy source that mankind has ever known. Um, so that's it's an important thing to be aware of. This is going to happen because of economics one way or another. Uh, but then we have all these other programs that come in as well. So there's actually a bunch of pieces of the IRA that I like. Unfortunately, for the most part, this whole section, uh, there's three different pieces of the heat pump stuff. I'm not a giant fan of because it, it, it can make things a lot more complicated on the ground for those of us that are actually out there interacting with clients, selling the equipment and then installing it. So, but the, it, it could be spun positive. So that's what we're going to work. That kind of where the rubber meets the road, though. I mean, you, you have a bill, the bill gets passed, and you know, it gets signed into law. Now the real work begins: writing the regulations, the laws that are going to be, you know, uh, what this bill. I guess that's the bill's the framework upon yep. which these laws will be built. So why don't we go ahead and jump right into your slides? And see if we can. And by the way, I, I'm only giving the Democrats a hard time because I am one. So uh, <laughs> folks don't get too upset about me saying it's a lot. I just think it's it's kind of interesting that they actually came up with this name. I, I find that just like really well, ironic. That, that, that was this was totally to uh, appease my now senator. Uh, Senator that's Joe right. Manchin. That's, um, right. that's what this was for, because uh, the the Build Back Better Act that was coming before this, uh, like he's like it'll be two trillion, and CBO ran the numbers, and they came up with like five or six, which I, I think the federal budget is something like four trillion a year. So that's that's a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, and so it, it, this whole deal it came out of left field, like no one expected it. It was uh, very secretive. Um, like the deal was dead. Everybody was mad at Joe Manchin. Like I'm part of energy Twitter, um, uh, which is lots of stuff about the, uh, clean electricity and, and the, the energy transition. And people were furious at Joe. Um, and then all of a sudden this popped out out of nowhere. Um, and, uh, so it was, it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, you've so, mentioned, I have to get your definition on something you've mentioned. Sure. And I did in the, uh, intro clean electricity. Uh, that's kind of yeah. That's a sticky term. electricity. <laughs> so let's say carbon-free electricity. So it's basically electricity that is created by either not burning things, or technically you can do. Oh shoot! Now I can't have to think of the term um, carbon sequestration and storage. Which it's funny. We spent billions and billions of dollars on it, and it really doesn't work yet. So it's not that it couldn't work, but we spent an awful lot of money to have a hill of beans. Um, there's a very funny video on that. Uh, it's a, an Australian outfit made one on it. Uh, but uh, the other pieces are nuclear, um, which I've long been pro nuclear. Um, I was I was really disheartened with the. Uh, uh, the, the issue with the Japanese reactor, my mind's blanking on the name of it right now. Um, but then it's also, um, you know, solar and wind, which we're used to thinking of batteries, which uh, can store enough energy to, to help get us through the peaks when solar and wind aren't producing at the right time that we need things. Cause you can't turn them on and off. Um, there's uh, geothermal, which is not like a heat pump geothermal. It's it's basically you you drill down to where a volcano is and you use that heat to produce electricity, things like that. So there's a bunch of different technologies there for clean electricity. What percent of our electric in the United States currently is what you would define as clean electricity? Oh, you had to ask that. Um, I don't fully remember, <laughs> but let's say it's, uh, I think it's somewhere between 10 and 25%, depending where you are. Okay. Uh, and it's it's growing fast. So like uh, California, obviously, uh, nearly lost their grid again here recently when they saw 110, 115 degree highs. Like is, that was like in the Bay Area when they aren't used to seeing that. You know, it's design temperature. There's a little over 80. Um, 
and uh, they they've added a lot of batteries in the last couple of years. So they had uh, the batteries when they were discharging were actually putting out more than Diablo Canyon, which is a, a pretty large nuclear reactor. Hmm. Um, so the uh, the batteries were putting out more power than the nukes um, for a moment in time. So that sort of thing is happening. Also in Texas, uh, they have tripled their solar capacity in the last 18 months. And that's part of what got them through the heat waves of this summer as well. Um, so there's there's all of these pieces and you'll see lots of stuff where it's, uh, renewables get blamed. Uh-uh. Like there's there's issues everywhere. The, the nasty freeze on Valentine's Day a year and a half ago, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it, everything failed. So a bunch of the cooling ponds froze. So they lost a nuke. They lost a whole bunch of gas plants. They lost uh, coal plants. Um, the gas lines were freezing because they, they weren't pulling the moisture out because generally they don't get enough below freezing to worry about it. And then they did, uh, the wind turbines had been bought where they were cheaper. So they didn't have the cold weather packages. So they were freezing up. Um, uh, I mean, I, I wrote an article on it and, uh, I, I used a, a, an image of the Star Trek Enterprise exploding because like, mm-hmm. a, you know, I'm, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain, but it, it never happened in the show. But, you know, you could see it just the ship exploding and everybody dies. And that's yeah. basically what happened in Texas. They pushed the system well beyond what it was ever designed for. And literally everything failed. There was there was no uh, piece that went unscathed. So while things got blamed on renewables, it's like now there was all kinds of stuff that went down. Okay. Well, let's jump into the Inflation Reduction Act. And and I'm curious. Go ahead. Let let me just let you start with uh, your introduction to it. Okay. Um, Yeah, I got a bunch of slides here, and I'm going to apologize in advance. This is exactly what I hate seeing, which are very heavy uh, text slides. But I didn't know how else to do this because this is an extremely detailed bill. Um, And so I'm trying to break it down uh, in a way where I'm not being inaccurate. Um, so let's see here. So I want to start with what details do we know? Capital K, no. And the answer is none. Um, I mean, I, I pushed this back on purpose with you because I was hoping we'd get rules to work with so that I could actually speak to what the actual rules are. So right now, what I'm commenting on today, this is what is in the bill. How okay. it is implemented could be very, very different. So be aware of this. Um, uh, well, aren't we kind of hoping in some ways the implementation will be different? Yes. So and okay. I've got some suggestions towards the end of uh, uh, things that we can suggest. So like the IRS is currently taking uh, suggestions through November 4th on how to do this. And like there's one really critical problem in here. Uh, which we'll get to on heat pump efficiency requirements, which basically means that like nothing will qualify uh, or almost nothing, a couple percent of uh, products out there. It seems Uh, like they're going to have to do something with that. I hope so, but they may not. And then it'll just be utterly useless. So (laughs) let's, let's get to it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to drag it out. So uh, when will we know? So the federal rules will be out before tax season. Um, so we'll, we'll probably know early in the year, um, and the comments, like I said, end November 4th, the States have up to two years to start these programs. Um, and, uh, I, I talked to uh, some, some folks for the, the state energy offices and they said, yeah, next summer at the earliest for any of the States coming out with this stuff. Some States may not take the money. And the other curse is there will be 50 sets of rules. They're all going to be different. So there's nothing you can say that's, that's completely general. Um, wow. on the, so it's going to be complicated. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll share the slides to this. And there's a link here for reading the annotated bill. So I pulled out the section of this and then I made comments all the way down. So you can go read the actual language. Um, but I mean, this is <laughs> such a pain in the butt. I spent a couple of days pulling all this together. This was not fun. Um, and frankly, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed by the severe distraction. <laughs> but it is what it is. And I want to start with a really critical word of warning. Um, So tread carefully. Uh, There's a lot of frothy uh, news coverage on this right now. Uh, It's like, it's going to be great. Everybody's going to get money. You know, it's, uh, it's like Oprah, you get a heat pump and you get a heat pump. No, that's not how (laughs) it's going to work. Got to be really, really careful with this. And from experience, the clients that are asking about this may not be your clients. Oftentimes they're people looking for stuff for free. Um, and so they can be pretty difficult at times. So I'm not going to say all the time, but 
don't have your blinders on as you go into this. Uh, Carefully set expectations because a whole lot of things are not going to qualify by their clients or products. And really strongly, I mean, we've been watching programs for years and have suggested program designs. And, you know, HVAC 2.0 is actually under the skin kind of an efficiency program. Um, but beware basing your sales process on this because incentives go away, they change, the rules change, like it could be really bad. So make this like an add-on, but do not integrate it into what you're doing. That's my strong recommendation, having watched uh, programs for years and been a contractor and worked with contractors. So that's the, the, the preamble. This is probably the key slide to everything. So the IRA, it's three separate programs, completely different, all tacked in here together. So the first thing to know is all of these have a 10-year timeline. So some of them end uh, like October of 2031, some of them end the beginning of 2032. So we've got about 10 years on these, or nine and a half or whatever you want to call it. Um, So there are... uh, there's three different programs, but fundamentally it's two pieces. So there's federal tax incentives, which we'll go over the the details. This starts real soon. So January 1st, this all starts. Um, It appears there is an unlimited budget for 10 years. So this could be really expensive to taxpayers, especially considering I proposed something else that would probably cost way, way less and actually change all of the systems over instead of just some. Um, But uh, it is $1,200 or $2,000 per tax year. And this just applies to your own personal home. So like we have Airbnbs, we can't take the money for those. Um, as it's written, again, this is as it's written in the bill. We'll see how it's applied. Um, and the other piece is two state programs or two programs that where the feds are taking a large budget, splitting it up according to uh, a set formula. I think they use the same formula for weatherization. Um, and uh, these have up to two years to begin. And like I said, state-by-state rules. So there's going to be 50 sets of rules on these. So the first program is Hope for Homes, which has a $4.3 billion budget. And this gives you uh, an incentive for modeled or actual energy savings. The actual is going to be pretty tricky to in, in my mind because you have to watch a house for a while afterwards and see what happens. Um, and the, the modeled, one of the, the struggles can be you can game models. Uh, but basically... If you can model between 20 and 35% energy, energy savings, uh, you get two grand. And if you can show 35% or greater uh, energy savings modeled or actual, uh, you get four grand. Um, and there's bigger numbers for multifamily low income. Um, uh, the second piece is the high efficiency electric homes, which is four and a half billion. And that is up to $14,000 in rebates for individual upgrades. So that's heat pumps, heat pump, water heaters, electric upgrades, uh, panel upgrades, uh, windows, doors, like there's a a bunch of different things in there. All of this is income qualified. So there's one that goes up to 80% of um, area media income, and there's one that goes 80 to 150%. If you make more than one and a half times what your area median income is defined by the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development, you do not qualify, which Hmm. means that a great deal of HVAC contractor clients, when we're talking market rate, like a huge swath of clients are not going to qualify at all. But everybody's going to be like, oh, look, I get all this free money. It's going to be great. And you're going to be like, no. And now you have to ask them how much money you make. Um, don't we all just love that program? Oh, Everybody yeah. Asking that question. I mean, I, I remember years ago, my, my dad restored cars for wealthy clients. And my brother was, I don't know, seven years old or something like that. I said, Mr. Wessel, how much money do you have um, while we're all riding together to truck towing his car? Um, and he, he was really good about it. He just said, Jeremy, I have more than enough. <laughs> um, but it's it's very awkward to uh, have to ask that question of clients. And now we have to do that. So this is friction added to the sales process, which is frustrating to me. Um, and then hey, very important. Give me an idea of, I don't care what part of the country you want to use, but give us an example now of the median income, if you have it off the top of your head, in Cleveland, Ohio. And, and so maybe so it, people yeah. have an idea of whether they would qualify. It varies. So the lowest parts of the country are about 45,000 a year. And I think DC is like 83 um, for household income. Um, And so 150% would what be a little over 60 and then like 120, something like that. Uh, Okay, good. That's all I needed. Yep. Yeah. So you're in the ballpark and you can't double dip these. So if you use one, you can't use the other. 
for the state. So if you use homes. Hope for homes, you can't use high efficiency electric homes. Exactly. Yep. No double yeah. dipping. The federal, you may be able to double dip, but I don't know. Um, the, the bill wasn't clear. So like the, the hope for homes piece in here was supposed to be 72 pages and it ended up being 24 is what made it in the bill. So there were a bunch of details that were planned on that didn't make it in there. Um, okay. So I've, I've learned way more about this and frankly, I want to, but I have to, because we are advising contractors all over the place. So I want to have accurate information. And let's be, okay. let's make it up front here. Most of this is going to affect HVAC contractors and maybe yes. weatherization contractors as well. Not so much if you do indoor air quality consulting or you do disaster restoration. Although once when they do the um, the recover the restoration part of things, maybe yeah. they some of this would uh, apply. If the system gets replaced, yes. But this is it's almost entirely HVAC related. Um, okay. There's a little bit in wiring, uh, electric panels and stuff, but yeah, there's very little on the air quality side that's in here. Um, in fact, one of, one of my biggest concerns, and uh, Brian Orr and I were on Healthy Indoors yesterday, and one of his biggest concerns too is, um, it, particularly when you move to a heat pump in a cold climate, uh, heat loads are typically around double uh, what cooling loads are. So you're necessarily going to oversize the system, which means you kill dehumidification capability. Which means you're, and then as you move to the more efficient equipment, if you aren't really careful with how you're running it and how it's used and which equipment that you're choosing, it oftentimes does a bad job of dehumidification anyway. So the the air quality relationship here is we're pretty likely to make a bunch of people sick if we aren't really careful with this um, mm-hmm. and make a bunch of houses sick. Because uh, you, you know, I I think a lot about dehumidification from watching air quality monitors through the years. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's where all of this is complicated and interconnected, and yeah, it's a pain. That's why we've got you here, buddy. It is interconnected. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so the federal tax credit, um, it used to be fifteen hundred dollars a year maximum lifetime. It goes back to like oh six, something like that, and it was ten to thirty percent of the job cost. It's now twelve hundred dollars a year max. 30% of job costs. Thankfully, they're not making you break out labor and material. I hated that in the program back when I was an insulation contractor. Like, I don't want to tell you what my labor and material rates are because it's not the whole job. Um, right. Like that that was miserable. Um, uh, so it's now 1200 bucks a year. But if you're doing either a heat pump or a heat pump water heater, it's two grand a year. Does a um, mini split count as a heat pump? Yes. Okay. Uh, so it needs to be efficient enough, which we'll get to for this, which is, that's what the major sticking point in this program. Okay. Um, uh, you have to have tax liability. So this is not for low income folks. Unfortunately, I kind of wish that they'd made it a credit, like just a flat out, like if you get it, you get the money back. Um, and so we could suggest that in the rules, they could change that. Um, and uh, you can spread the liability from, this is not in the bill, but this is what I've heard from multiple people. You can spread the tax liability out across multiple years. So if you don't have $2,000 in taxes for a year, you can spread it out over several. Okay. Um, and then a huge question is, are these stackable? Because if they're stackable, it's not actually a $2,000 a year limit. Um, what do you mean by stackable? Can you do a heat pump? and a heat pump water heater and a panel upgrade and take the money for all of those in one year, because okay. ideally that's how you want to do these projects. Like every right. time you roll a truck, it costs more. So if you expand out a project into three separate projects, you've got mobilization costs every time. Um, and so the net net cost goes up. So it will be nice if it's stackable and I'm told that it's stackable, but it, that is not how the bill reads. Okay. Um, so uh, do not count on that until it is very explicit. Um, and you may not want to count on it until after we go through our first tax year. Like you may not want to count on it until the middle of 2024. Um, Cause one of my big concerns here is someone will be promised something. It will end up not happening. And then your client's going to be ticked and they're going to come back to you for the pound of flesh for whatever the rebate was. So that's, hmm. that's a decent sized risk. And these are all rebates that you get back at when you do your taxes. Uh, so the, uh, the federal incentives are tax incentives. So that happens at tax time. It's a tax credit. So it comes off your bill, but you don't get the money back until tax season when you, you put your taxes through. The state incentives are rebates at point of sale. So that will happen as you buy and install the systems. Will that still be dependent on 
how the state writes up their rule. Could be, yes, but uh, I would bet that it will be a point of sale thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes, um, there's, there's not a lot of things I put money on, but I I, I kind of would on this one. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but again, I mean, real quick, uh, just show my lack of tax knowledge. Um, a lot of elderly people, I don't know that they have a two thousand dollar tax per year. You know what you're I mean? Stuck. You just sorry. You're, okay. That's how the the solar credits have worked for years, and they did just shift it so a nonprofits actually can get solar credits. So that part I love the IRA. And then you can get standalone battery, 30% tax credit, even if you don't have solar, which like at least half of houses are not good solar candidates. Either they have shade or the roof points the wrong way or the roof is too small or whatever. Um, uh, So I think in time, everyone will have a battery because we'll see uh, power prices that vary by time of day. And so you can charge your battery when it's cheap and discharge uh, when it's expensive or, you know, whatever you want to do. So batteries are going to become a thing on most houses, particularly as we're seeing all the weather events that we're seeing. Uh, So a a good battery can basically replace a a generator. Um, Interesting. I see these ads for the Generac all the time. Um, Yeah. any, Any thoughts? Um, it, Generac is they're they're really digging into this because obviously they're they're huge in generators. I mean that's where the name came from. But yeah, they have batteries now. They bought Ecobee thermostats, which I think is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. They're getting into electric panels. So yeah, they're they're trying to figure this out strategically. How can they sell a huge chunk of the pieces that are needed for electrification? So they're they're interesting to watch. Interesting. Okay, let's go back to your your slides here. Yeah, sorry, there's so much here. Um, there is. Uh, so up to 30% of tax uh, of the job cost, rather, um, here is the key thing for heat pumps. So these are the individual things. So heat pumps are two grand, but it requires CEE. It's the Coalition for Energy Efficiency, if memory, uh, memory serves. Tier three, it says it's their highest tier, but not their advanced tier, which that means tier three right now. This requires 18 SEER equipment right now, which is top of the line. Um, the big question is, will it require an RE match? And I'll show you what these look like in a little bit. This is where the actual equipment is matched up and tested um, with indoor unit, the, the air handler, outdoor unit, um, the condenser. And what is the actual performance of that? If the RE match is required, it disqualifies a huge swath of equipment on the market. Because basically anything that's normal sizes, three, four, and five ton, um, like the most common air conditioner size is a three ton. Yeah, the most common heat pump size is likely to be a three ton. Um, if you buy an 18 sear class piece of equipment, uh, three, four, and five ton, it will be between 16 and 17 and a half sear, not 18. So it won't qualify if it's required. And we don't know if the rules are going to require that. Um, so that's one of the big questions. Um, I've got a question on this. Um, heat pumps are not $2,000. They're they can be oh, they're way, way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're significantly more. Yeah. And and you're saying that it, it appears you only get this potential $2,000 if you use the, the top of the line, which is going to be even more expensive. Give me a ballpark. I, I mean, are we actually, would the homeowner actually be saving money up front or just getting a better system for less money? At current prices, it's not likely to save them things. Because if you're looking for that three, four, five ton, to the 20 seer class equipment, which is generally two to three thousand dollars more expensive. Right. Um, right. so it's it's gonna be a wash. And a lot of the 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 traditional stuff that's been on the market thus far, I, I pretty much would never buy a 20 seer um, because it just isn't worth the extra cost. It's, it'll save you like 25 or 50 bucks a year, but it costs two or three thousand dollars more for the equipment. Nah. Um, I've got other places to spend my money. Um, so that that's a challenge. And if that isn't fixed, basically this won't get used um, with current equipment. Now this will change, but with current equipment, there's not a lot. Although there's like one that that qualifies. There's a carrier unit, which is a mini split outdoor connected to a traditional uh, air handler, American air handler indoor. Uh, but it's a dumb piece of equipment. And from what I'm hearing, it has very poor dehumidification capabilities. So it will meet the efficiency standards, but it will lead to really bad air quality, most likely. Hmm. Um, and so this is one of my biggest concerns that, and we're going to get the larger companies out there, the, the really sales-based organizations that are just going to promise the world, um, and take the hit on the chin when someone complains. 
Um, but, uh, okay. yeah, it's, a, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous about these. Um, yeah. I can see it, now why you're most concerned about this section of the IRA. Yeah. And th- this is an unlimited budget for a decade. So we are stuck with this. This is not going away. Uh, where the other ones, probably the money will get burned relatively quickly. Um, and then the programs go away. Um, so yeah, this is, this is my big, big concern right here. Um, next up, heat pump water heaters, also two grand, uh, it requires a 3.25 COP coefficient of performance means it's 325% efficient. Um, so you put one unit of electricity in and you get three and a quarter units of heat out the other side. Um, right now there's two big OEMs. Uh, you have AO Smith on one, uh, or Bradford white, like there's a bunch of brands within them. And the other one's Ream. And both of those are above 3.25. So everything qualifies right now um, of the major manufacturers. There's a couple other ones coming, but the two majors, this is going to drive a lot of these sales. One thing is driving me nuts about this right now. We're having reliability issues left and right with both brands. Okay. Um, So I'm, I I hope they can get their stuff together. Isn't $2,000 more than what a hot water, a heat pump water heater costs? It was, it's not anymore. So they used no. to be 1300 bucks a couple of years ago. Um, that's one of the other complications of all this is there's been huge price increases, like 50 to 70% price increases over the last 18 months. Okay. Um, and uh, then there's announced like 20 to 40% price increases coming next year. So the odds wow. are these incentives are just going to get you back to even if you can, but then oftentimes it's going to require very expensive equipment. So it's, it, it, that's, that's not the fault of the government at all, but it's, it, it complicates things. Now, is this because of supply chain issues or just inflation in general? Or are they because they're better equipment? I don't understand why. Mainly price- supply chain. Um, uh, it's, it's been impossible to get equipment, like lots of, uh, contractors. They're saying, we're, we're going to give you a three ton air conditioner. We're not going to tell you like what, or, or like th- from this efficiency or better, we're not going to tell you what brands, we're not going to tell you what type, because we don't know until we get our hands on the piece of equipment that day to install it. Okay. Uh, because it's, it's just hard. Like people are mixing indoor and outdoor brands. Um, like, you know, they, they get a train outdoor unit and a carrier indoor, because uh, if you're talking basic equipment, you can connect it all and it'll work. Um, but yeah, the supply chain stuff has been insane the last year, hmm. uh, like commercial equipment. If you need a rooftop unit, almost all the manufacturers are 52 weeks out. It's wow. a year. Um, lots of, uh, residential equipment's out three or four months. So it's, it's really, really challenging right now. And then we're layering this on top and new efficiency requirements and new refrigerants next year, starting next year. Um, so first half next year is going to be kind of a nightmare. So my biggest recommendation through all of this is if you are con- uh, considering buying HVAC um, like very soon, buy it now um, yeah, because next year is going to be more expensive, even with a tax credit, most likely. Okay. All right. Let's finish this slide. And then we got a break for halftime. No problem. So windows, uh, 600 bucks, exterior doors. This is federal again, 250 bucks a piece, 500 bucks max. Both of these require energy star, which is super easy to find, super common now. Is that $600 total? Uh, that's up to 30% of job costs. So yeah, it'd be windows, 600 bucks. So if you have a $20,000 window job, you get 600 bucks back. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's uh let's stop for a minute. We're gonna thank our sponsors. We'll be right back with the second half with Nate, the house whisperer Adams on uh, the new inflation reduction act. Our marquee sponsor is first on site, your trusted full service disaster recovery and property restoration company at firstonsite.com. Association sponsors are ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, AIHA.org, The Cleaning Industry Research Institute, See More Deeply Through Science and Research, CIRI science.org the iicrc a non-profit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry iicrc.org industry sponsors are aeml laboratories 
Free shipping, great pricing, same-day results with no rush fee, A-E-M-L-I-N-C.com. Particles Plus, feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us, ParticlesPlus.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations, TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals. Availability, reliability, and ease for all your IAQ and restoration needs at sunbeltrentals.com. April Air, healthy air, healthy home, April, A-I-R-E dot com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers, healthyindoors.com. All right, we're back with Nate Adams. Nate, let's jump right back into the next slide. So the CEE tier three, I just want to show you a little bit of the technical side. So consortium for energy efficiency, we already covered this pretty well. Um, These are their tiers. So they're about to meet, I'm told this month um, to revise these because the bottom tier is going to need a change because now the minimum is uh, SEER 15. And then they're moving to SEER 2, which takes static pressure into account. Um, Because like these sears are the the efficiency uh, levels are if you actually have good airflow and you're not oversizing the system to the ductwork where the vast majority of systems are oversized that I think we talked about that in badass uh, last time uh, badass HVAC. Um, So there's new efficiency requirements coming around so they have to revise these some but I'm hoping they don't make tier three any harder. Okay. And if they do based on. Are these are they are they required to adjust these per some government regulations or is this just an industry thing? This is an industry thing, so they okay. can do kind of what they want. Is there maybe a piece of government involved here? I don't fully well, understand. Maybe to get Energy Star, I was thinking they may have to go to a certain level, but I don't know. Yeah. This ties into Energy Star really well, but honestly, CEE was new to me um, when this happened, so I, I can't say I'm an expert on this at all. Okay. Um, so if you want to figure out this, like if, uh, if you want to understand what the SEER is, you need to find the RE number. Um, uh, don't ask me what it stands for. It's an American Heating and Refrigeration, Heating and refrigeration. Institute. Yeah, something yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, NEEP, um, it's a Northeast Energy Efficiency Program, whatever it is. Uh, this is a really wonderful tool that they have now. So if you're thinking about heat pumps, use this tool. It's awesome and it's free. Uh, but you can look up a brand um, and if you know an RE number or whatever, but you can look up a bunch of products and find the RE number because the RE site is pretty terrible for finding numbers. Um, This is actually the easier workaround. So here's what an RE certificate looks like. So I chose, this is a Daikin Fit product, which uh, I bought two of these for Airbnbs here in West Virginia. Um, And it's a really nice little product uh, and the, the price point's really nice on it. But this is a three and a half ton. So you can see the 42 right here. Mm-hmm. Um, a ton is 12,000 BTUs. So 42 means a three and a half ton unit. Um, here's the RE number that I found through NEEP and see it's a 17 SEER. So hmm. this is a really nice product that's pretty high efficiency. And most importantly, this has full capacity to five degrees Fahrenheit. Not a lot of products do this, but this one does. Um, and so this is really a product that should be heavily used because it's expensive, it's pretty efficient, and it's got killer output at cold temperature. So, like, but this product can't be used with the program as written if RE matches are required. Just um, curious, what's the dehumidification like on this? This one's actually pretty good. Um, okay. uh, so this is also what's called a communicating product. So the indoor unit, the outdoor unit, and the thermostat all talk to each other. And they vary things based on what the load is, what dehumidification needs are, things like that. So I've been very impressed with the dehumidification capabilities of this, but it doesn't have reheat, which is, that's my favorite. So I have to have a separate dehumidifier running its brains out in the shoulder season like we're in right now. The dehumidifier is using about twice as much power as the air conditioner or the heat pump right now. Um, And there are no um, incentives to dehumidify in this IRA, right? No, no, no. Um, Which is, I think, something our indoor air quality listener base needs to keep in mind. Um, With a lot of these changes, you're going to be even more needed uh, because they're not going to get the dehumidification that 
they got out of their old equipment, let's say, um, mm -hmm. or that they need. A lot of times they don't even get enough out of the old equipment, especially again in the shoulder seasons, like you mentioned, um, it could get worse. Yes. I mean, remember that uh, presentation I gave a couple of years ago, the, the coming mold explosion? Yes. Um, it's here. So we're it's seeing it like you read about Louisiana and the Carolinas and Georgia and a bunch of these new houses are going seriously sideways. And part of that is the more efficient equipment runs higher coil temperatures and dehumidification is primarily determined by how cold the indoor coil is. If you have a 32 degree indoor coil, um, if the dew points above 32, it's pulling moisture out and it's basically always there. So the old like eight and 10 seer stuff, it was a giant sponge. Like that stuff was amazing, super inefficient, but man, it got the house dry. Mm. Um, but now we have oversized, um, single stage equipment that's efficient and it does really generally a very bad job at dehumidification because it's oversized. So it doesn't run long. It takes a while for the coil to get down to temperature. So oftentimes the coils never get cold enough to actually dehumidify and the houses just rot. Well, and the other issue is these, some of these heat pumps, especially the mini splits are very difficult to clean properly. And most people don't even know you need to clean them on a regular basis. So that, yep. that's another thing we'll have to watch for. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a pertinent text question uh, from a listener actually. Um, the question is, Nate, if the SEER 2 RE standard changed indoor conditions to 75 degrees dB at 50%, um, he heard this through a rumor. Can you confirm or deny? Um, well, that, that's long been the standard for okay. uh, load calculations and, and the uh, equipment testing is 75 degrees, 50% indoor. Okay. Um, and then the outdoor varies by where your climate is, in my understanding. So I'm not... Uh, okay. not super detailed expert on that. So uh, hopefully someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Right. Let's uh, get rolling here. Um, so again, there's a winter meeting for CEE in January, but supposedly this is going to be adjusted this month, or at least a meeting is happening for that. Um, and then I want to finish with the, the federal tax instead of stacking, like I was talking about earlier, where you could do a heat pump, a heat pump, water heater, and a, uh, electric panel all in the same year and get the money. Um, and that came from this text from, uh, Dr. Leah Stokes. So, uh, there's this calculator from rewiring, which I, I think is like over promising to people. Like it makes me nervous when I see that rewiring America. Um, but, uh, so she said 600 bucks for breaker box, two grand for heat pump, two grand for a heat pump, water heater, 1200 for weatherization. And I asked, would you need to do that over four years? And she came back and said, no, you can do it in one year. Uh, Jesse Jenkins, uh, who does all kinds of research, uh, he's at Princeton, um, uh, gave the read that I did, which is it's two grand a year maximum. That's what the bill says. Um, but then Ashley uh, Scapitol, I'm sure I'm butchering her name. Uh, she works at Senate finance and she said, yes, they are stackable. Hmm. So the question is, how will it be implemented? Cause as the bill is written, that's not true, but as they're talking about the intent, it is. Well, and this affects people like you and your group that are trying to do this work in a bigger ball, I guess. I don't know how to say it than, than yeah. just changing it's out synergy. a heat pump or whatever. You're trying to yeah. get people to air seal, to properly insulate, to, check and make sure they're, uh, they're, they're insulated and air sealed properly before they just change out the yeah. mechanic. Well, it's just like a remediation job. Do you want to do one room at a time, uh, like a year apart? No, you want to do it all at once and do it right and move on. Um, okay. And there's, there's a lot of mobilization costs. Uh, involved in that because every time, yeah, you, every have time schedule, you, yeah. Yeah, you, ha you have to go figure out what equipment do I need to put on? Who do I need to send? Um, has the pricing changed? Like there, there's a lot of costs in splitting a job up. Uh, so ideally it will be stackable, but I don't well, not know. Not to mention you can't properly size your mechanical system if you don't know how well air sealed and, and insulated your home is and, and the windows and so on. So, okay. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, it's all that. So we'll see if it's stackable. Uh, so federal unresolved questions um, are, is stackable a thing? Is RE match going to be required? And can we mix federal and state incentives? Those are the three. So we already kind of covered all that. Okay. Um, the IRS is looking for comments right now. Um, and Joe, I'll send you the link to this. Um, Put it in the blog. Yep. Yep. And uh, Cliff for the, the blog, the, the suggestion that we've been hearing all over is don't require CE tier three, make it tier two. 
or at least make it tier two for a couple of years until different products can come out. Um, uh, otherwise, it's just not hardly going to get used. And then the question is, do you want an RE match or not? Um, the RE match is not a big deal um, to, to do technically, but if you need to hit 18 seer, lots of people are going to miss. So, okay. and then don't make it harder, please. And that's and, and how do they, I mean, if it's written into the bill as tier three, can they change that to tier two yeah. legally? Uh, well, okay. I, I, I actually, I, I'm not an expert. I have no idea, but uh, I, I would hope that they could adjust something like that, or they could at least say for three years, tier two, and then it moves to tier three. Something okay. like that. Um, there's okay. got to be some wiggle room. I mean, we've watched Congress. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, wait, we made up. Our I'm own sure rule. there's we a can way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all this stuff is Calvin Ball. You missed 13th base. There is no 13th base. Well, there is now, and you missed it, so you're out. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, from Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, um, he's the best. Uh, okay. IRA state programs. So there's hope for homes like we talked about, high-efficiency electric homes. Uh, let's walk through them. Uh, LMI is a term you're going to see everyone. It means uh, everywhere. It means low or moderate income. Here's the definition from the bill. I'm going to read it. Sorry. The term low or moderate income household means an individual or family, the total annual income of which is less than 80% of the median income of the area in which the individual or family resides, as reported by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, including an individual or family that has demonstrated eligibility for another federal program with income restrictions equal to or below 80% of area median income. Um, so basically, if you make 80% of what the median income is where you live or you qualify for a federal program that has that requirements, uh, you can use that. But then there's also an 80 to 150% thing. And this is where, Mr. Wessel, how much money do you have? Um, mm. we, we get to bring in. Um, so, uh, uh, we'll get to my suggestion on there, but it's basically put on your website, a link to there and say, go pre-qualify yourself. Um, yeah. cause like I, we're out, I'm out. Like, so we call it responsibly avoiding responsibility. I'm going to make you aware of what you need to do. And then it's your problem. Um, hey, I'm, a, I'm imagining that a pretty decent percentage of existing HVAC customers are above that 80%. Do you know the number you work with these guys? I mean, um, you're basically ruling out you're, you're cutting the people who can afford to do this and who might do it with incentives can't do it. And then the people who don't can't afford it, even with the incentives can't do it. So it, it seems like we're in a catch 22. It's kind of a weird spot. I mean, uh, one of the suggestions is send this money all the low income and put it through the weatherization programs. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're all desperate for money. I mean, they get like fifty-five or sixty-five hundred dollars a house to do, you know, lots of upgrades, and oftentimes they need roofs and like they have all sorts of other issues. Um, put this money towards low income. Um, like, if, if we're going to help low income people, let's help low income people. Let's take the whole nine billion and push it to them. That's one of our biggest suggestions. Um, or take one and take the income restrictions off, um, like the the hope for homes or the modeled savings that we're looking at here. Um, let this apply to anyone uh, because you have to do a bunch of modeling uh, to do this. And then the other one, run that through weatherization. And low I mean, if the goal is in part to reduce our demand on electric and to be greener. I mean, it seems like it would be a good incentive for people who have the money to do it, to go ahead and do it. But I, I mean, and then the other way is to go through the low, you know, the, the low income programs, which I, it's I, complicated. I but with these budgets, they're not going to go all that far. They're going to do a couple million homes, maybe five or six million, something like that. And then the money's going to run out. Uh, in the state so, programs you're talking about. In the state about. programs, yeah. So the federal okay. program has no cap, but the, the okay. states do. Um, all right, right, let's so, do one more slide, and then we're going to go to the roundup here. I'm, I'm sorry. I know we're not going to get to all your slides. Yeah, but we're not going to hit all these, but we'll. I can share it. Um, so uh, the Hope for Homes, there's rebates for modeled savings. Um, and then multifamily, the limits are higher. Uh, if you're low income, they double to four and 8,000. Um, uh, but half the residents have to income qualify. And there are two and $400,000 limits per building for doing this. Uh, so oh. that's one of the things. Um, it, if you don't mind, we can slam through a couple of these and then in the round, we can actually do questions. Um, so uh, details, 
Uh, Hope for Homes, electrifying space heating. If you model it, because uh, I've modeled a bunch of these for our projects, you're almost always going to hit a 35% site energy savings. So the energy used at the house, because uh, the energy you use for a heat pump is actually pulled from the air outside. It's not piped or wired into the house. Um, you're extracting it from the outdoors. Uh, hybrids can oftentimes hit this. The tricky part of this is BPI 2400 standard um, is required. So you have to use a compliant tool for that. Uh, this basically takes into account past energy use, which helps reduce abuse quite a bit. So I like that part of it. But the mm-hmm. current products that are certified to that are all, hey, Windows 3.1 called, they want their software back. <laughs> um, like they're just, they're ancient and clunky and they can be time consuming. Like I just, uh, I don't know. I, there's, there's none of them that I like. Um, and then, uh, the high efficiency electric homes state program, uh, kind of like the federal, there's different rebates for this. And this is supposed to be point of sale. So 1750 for a heat pump, water heater, eight grand for space heating heat pumps, Hmm. Um, stoves and dryers, 840, and it's heat pump dryers. Electric panel, four grand. Like, this is stuff that, man, weatherization could use desperately to take some crappy old 100-amp panel in a federal Pacific that is going to burn the house down and change it to a 200-amp new panel. Uh, wiring changes, 2,500 bucks. Not much for insulation, air sealing, and ventilation at all, 1,600. 14 hmm. grand cap. Um, so this, like this to me, I'm like, this is weatherization right here. Send this to weatherization, give them. This one stood out to me too, Nate. This is kind of like really important. Now go back though for one second. If you could review again, what this high efficiency electric homes state program is, I'm kind of starting to jumble. So this is the four and a half billion. So there's the hope for homes, which is all on modeled savings or actual energy savings. This is related to specific upgrades and it's completely separate and you can only use one or the other. Remember, you can't double dip these two. Um, So one or the other is what you're looking at. Um, And yeah, this just, uh, I read this and I'm like, this is weatherization. I've done weatherization work. Like this would be huge on that front. Eight grand. Weatherization plus, isn't it? Does weatherization get you a new electric panel? No, it doesn't normally. Um, So it's good that that's in here. Yeah. Yeah, that that just jumps out to me. There's so many people that need it, especially today with, you know, you buy these older homes in Pittsburgh or Cleveland or whatever, they got 100 amp services. You know, it's going to cost you 2,500, three grand to, to, if you get somebody cheap, to upgrade to 200 amp. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, Key thing here, third party certification is required for upgrades. So that is a big drag. But also weatherization agencies do their own uh, uh, verifications, which is a third party. So like, it's like, this is built for weatherization. So don't worry about the 80 to 150% tier, send it all the low income. Um, And then allow the other program to go to upper income or just anybody, no limits. That would be my suggestion if if I were king, Uh, which I'm not. to be clear. Um, <laughs> so unresolved questions. There's a $500 kicker for the high efficiency electric homes to installers. We don't quite know how that's going to work yet. Um, do states have to keep track of who gets a federal incentive? Um, this for admin costs, both of these said 3%, but then for the high efficiency electric homes, another section of it said a 20% maximum admin. Those are very different, um, especially when we're talking 4 billion. Um, so, uh, we'll see what it is. There's going to be a big fight with utilities over who gets to claim the energy savings, which is something I hadn't thought about. My friend, Nate Kinsey, uh, and, uh, Andy Frank brought that up the other day. I'm like, oh, that's complicated. That's a very complicated issue there. Yeah. Um, and then if you qualify for other government programs, can you automatically qualify here? Probably yes. And then what does third party verification look like? And that's a good spot to go to roundup. All right, let's go to the roundup, John. The Roundup is brought to you by April Air, providing healthy humidity, ventilation, and air purity solutions for new and existing homes. April Air, healthy air, healthy home at aprilaire.com. Nate, I I think what I'd like to do here is if you could kind of just look through the rest of your slides and pick out one or two of the key points you wanted to bring up. I I don't want to miss any of those. And then Cliff, in the meantime, while he's looking through that, do you have any thoughts or comments or questions? 
Um, I, I guess I have two. Um, the first one uh, should be relatively simple. Do you think uh, if, uh, if uh, Senator Manchin could get a mulligan, would he uh, have signed the bill <laughs> uh, <laughs> initially? But um, I, I guess the second one is how will people that need this know about it, Nate? I mean, it seems to be so complicated. How are they going to find out? You know, it, it's, you know, you're really bright. Your associates are really bright. This is so far over my head. I, I, I think when I hear paperwork and rules and regulations, I, I just totally disconnect. I just don't know how the people that need it are going to get it. Yeah, this is, it's going to suck cliff. Um, uh, it, so I am very well known for being anti-policy. And the reason is whenever you do stuff that affects a kitchen table transaction, it adds friction to that transaction and makes it harder. It does not add grease. I really do not want this program. If it could die, I would be very happy. Um, or if it could all go to low income so that I don't have to deal with it uh, as a practitioner, that would make me very happy. Um, so yeah, that's, it's frustrating, but all this is going to have to go through the HVAC contractors who already have these really complicated jobs. I mean, you think about the HVAC trade, it's actually five trades. So, I mean, you have refrigeration, you have electric, you have plumbing, uh, you have carpentry and you have sheet metal. Um, uh, like it's just, it's super complicated. And now we're layering something else on top. This is not making things easier. So as it's implemented, the more that can be done to make it easier, the better, because we have to deal with it now. Um, it just is, it's past. Um, but, uh, it, it, it annoys the hell out of me because for half the money or less, the federal thing's going to be very expensive, most likely. So, but for the same 9 billion of the state programs, we could have converted every single air conditioner in the country to a heat pump because it's 150 bucks in parts or so between them uh, for a decade, every single one, which would be something like 50 million heat pumps. And instead, this is going to affect like five or 8 million homes. Hmm. Um, so it's just, it, it's a crappy way to spend money. Um, so it, it, I'm pretty centrist politically, but I'm definitely a fiscal conservative. And this annoys me. Interesting. Um, so just being blunt. I wonder if you have, after watching and going through your presentation, I guess my concern is it looks like there's a bunch of gaping holes that con men and flim flam artists and companies that are, I think they're going to hear about it from companies advertising cliff. I think that's where a lot of it's going to come from. And a lot of companies are going to, mislead people with that advertising and, and get them into things that maybe they don't want to be in. But I, I don't know. Nate, what do you think? That's my strong suspicion too. Um, I mean, this, this just has, it, it, it kind of has con man written all over it. So it's going to be interesting. Um, so trying to use this ethically is going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, that's one of my big uh, fears. And the other one here, I'll uh, uh, share screen here. So you've, you've probably heard me talk about technology adoption curves. They, they look like an S. Um, so things start off kind of slow sometimes, and then they go vertical. And then when you get close to 100% penetration, they fall off. Um, so this is a bunch of stuff, I mean, from toilets to tablets. Um, it's all hmm. in here. Um, so this is what the adoption curves look like. Um, and what we see happening, we call this the bell cliff, which is where... Um, it looks really good on a program early on. Like if you look at just this section of the chart. Um, uh, so there's a whole bunch of money that gets given in a program, then the funding ends, and then that demand falls off a cliff again because you weren't doing things in a sustainable way. Where if you can do it in a sustainable way, you get that S curve. But instead, every time this happens, a bunch of contractors go out of business. Um, and my biggest, biggest fear here, so like the we call it the prime directive in HVAC 2.0, is to provide excellent experiences for both contractors and homeowners. The odds of bad experiences coming out of this are very, very high. And like if you see a bad review now, like it, the old marketing rule of thumb was, a happy client would tell three or four other people. An unhappy people, a person would tell a dozen. If you have a one-star review that's legit, 
that's going to see be seen thousands and thousands of times. And like, it's going to turn into a meme somewhere like the bad publicity that can come out of one bad experience is unbelievable. I mean, think about spray foam, that, that house where they cut the whole roof off and pulled off and put a whole new roof on top because the spray foam was bad. Like that was really hard on the, the spray foam industry for one stupid moronic uh, contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's, that just sucks. So the odds of this, actually holding things back are way too high for my liking and the odds of it actually moving completion of decarbonization and electrification forward are not that high. So it's a high risk kind of low reward. Um, And so I don't think it's going to really spur the market. And that's very frustrating um, because we think a lot about how do we get this done faster? And I don't think this is going to help. So it sucks. It's very frustrating. Um, and I've been screaming about it for years and now it's a freaking bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope they can find a way to make some changes while there's still time yeah. and um, spend this money wisely as opposed to just giving it to con men and, and uh, you know, just frittering it away on, on things that don't help a whole lot. I, I think the intent was really, you know, people, their intentions were good. It's just, let's see if they can adjust to reality as, um, as this becomes, as it starts to become implemented. Yep. Well, and so we can all put in feedback because everybody's going to be asking. So whatever state you're in, you're going to have to go, go to your state energy office for the, that piece, but the federal, we can suggest to the IRS. So the biggest thing would be to the IRS for the heat pumps, relax the standards, at least temporarily, the efficiency standards. Um, so it actually gets used if we want it to get used. And if we don't, well, you know, maybe that's the secret intention. Who knows? Um, hmm. Kind of doubt it because some of the other stuff is reasonably well written. Um, but for the federal, don't make it so hard to get a heat pump. And for the states, I would suggest for the modeled program, take the income restriction off. And if the money gets burned fast, it gets burned fast. Um, but the rest of it, aim it all for the the rebates that like they they have weatherization written on them. Send all of that to the weatherization programs because then we don't have all these crazy implementation problems. It's like it, having to ask people how much they make sucks. Like the state doesn't want to do it. The contractors don't want to do it. It annoys homeowners. It adds friction. So for the one program, have no uh, requirements at all um, for the model program for the states. Uh, the hope for homes. And then for the high efficiency electric homes program, uh, send that all to low income and let the weatherization agencies deal with it. Well, they, they've been dealing with it for years um, with, you know, regulations and, and rebate programs and all that. It seems like that would make sense to me too, Nate. Yeah. And they're awesome to be clear. Like a, a, a lot of my chops as a house whisperer came from weatherization training years ago. Um, they taught me how to do uh, wall insulation. So, I mean, there's, it, it's a great, great program. So it's a good place to send the money. Um, and it's an existing uh, thing that states don't have to create whole new programs to manage. Their problem right now is they can't get people. It's well, just, that's, that's everywhere. So yeah. Uh, yeah. that's everywhere. I can, I would imagine though, that, you know, it would be nice for them to have a, this bucket of money to, to go to over a longer term so they don't run into this funding ends just like what's on the bell cliff on this on this slide so yeah like ara was crazy they 10x the uh the budgets in a year and it only lasted for like two years then it went back to half the original funding which means it was basically a 95 percent reduction in funding um Hmm. that's that's hard to work with so we bought all those blower doors and all the blow machines and we trained all those people and then all those people just disappeared wow that's sad. Nate, before we go, final thoughts, um, any, any final things we missed or didn't cover, uh, please let us know. It's funny. I don't No, Not really hardly. So thanks. Thanks All for right. having me back. I hope this is somewhat helpful. And like, I, I know that it can be negative as well, but, uh, yeah, I just want to be frank and blunt. Nate, it sure helped me. Um, I, I feel like I know a whole lot more about the topic right now. And um, I think um, Cliff probably feels the same, although it may have flown a little bit over your head there, Cliff. I think there's still some good information there. Oh, yeah. No, I think, you know, it's uh, they just need to make people aware of it. I, and I'm not sure how they would do that. You know, it would seem like 
Um, they would have to have commercials on television. Like um, I'm a, you know, Marine Corps vet. I was in Camp Lejeune and you see all these commercials where you in Camp Lejeune, did you drink the water, you know, uh, call us, you know, you may be eligible. And I think that that's probably what they would have to do with this type of program. You know, are you an HV, you know, the HVA contractor, you know, you, uh, you know, can advertise this is available. You may be eligible, you know, you have to call us and, and find out, but at least they would know about it at that particular point. Other than that, I don't know how they would know about it, you know? Well, it's got 10 years, so I'm sure we'll get through the funding. Um, but again, uh, it's, the I guess one thing I should end on is what I uh, began with, which is be careful with the clients that are coming to you asking a whole lot about these because they may not be clients you want. So just be aware of that. Um, right. uh, don't adjust your sales process uh, a lot to to deal with this. Uh, so be very, very careful there. Like, don't change, don't, don't become a house mouse. Um, like this, this can to some degree cause a don't feed the bears problem where you start feeding the bears and then, you know, you get issues. Um, and, uh, then the other thing is I would probably put something on the website just to help customers pre-qualify themselves to see if they even qualify for these programs. And then again, we don't know what the timing is. So January 1st, the federal programs could be running, but the state programs are going to be, you know, nine to 18 months before they're running. So you're going to have to temper expectations on those. Nate Adams, thank you so much. The house whisperer, Nate Adams, once again, uh, great job. We appreciate it. We'll have to get you back in another who knows when and see how this is being implemented. I hope it works. Thank you, Paul. Nice to see you, buddy. Um, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Uh, at the controls, John, you got to have faith. And, of course, our growing audience and our sponsors will be about. By the way, next week we've got Joe Allen. Dr. Joe Allen out of Harvard is going to come in talk about his uh, newly revised book. Let's see if I can find the name of it, but I don't know if I have it right in front of me here. I do. It's called How Indoor Spaces Drive Performance and Productivity. Been trying to get Dr. Allen on for quite a while, so looking forward to next week's interview. Please come back and join us next Friday for the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reel saying thanks for listening. 